It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Oh, uh, we are because you have a four-man booth today on Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, Lance Meadow, and Jeff Fiegels with you. If we don't have a fight within a half an hour about who gets to talk, I'd be shocked. And the phone lines are open, by the way. We'll get to you. We're not going to screen calls yet. We're going to screen calls around 12 15-ish or so as you wrap up the week at the Senior Bowl. And we, of course, uh, get ready uh, for the Senior Bowl this weekend and then the Super Bowl the following week. And the Giants continue to fill out their coaching staff. I'm not going to ask each of you individually how you're doing because we'll be here for 20 minutes. So instead, I'm going to do this. You guys can pepper me questions about the Senior Bowl practice. I sat there. I watched all the tape last night. I was up to around 2 a.m., was in here at 7.30, finishing it this morning. So... Take your pot shots, guys. What do you want to know? Lance, why don't you lead us off? You want me to lead off? Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> I thought we hit on a, a variety of the players yesterday in terms of outside of the quarterbacks. The tight end class is very deep. Offensive linemen, we had mentioned a few that stood out. I'm just curious, outside of the positions that we already covered, whether it be the wide receivers, the running backs, if there's anybody in particular that flashed over the course of the practice sessions. Yeah, you know, running back is tough. And I always say this when we're, when we're in training camp too, right? Where when you can't really tackle, I think the running back is one of the positions where the game is actually more important uh, as opposed to practice. But uh, Tyler Beatty, uh, and Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati, Beatty, I believe is from Missouri, are the uh, two players at running back that I like the most. Um, Taylor, the wide receiver out of North Dakota State, bar, by and far the best wide receiver in this class. Like He might get picked 15 or 20 picks ahead of any other receiver that was in Mobile. I thought he, was, he stood apart that much. You know, I thought Valus Jones Jr. out of Tennessee, I thought he was very good, fast, could run away from guys. Um, Memphis, you know, they kind of develop all these, like, little slot receivers. You know, they had um, uh, Demet- Demetric Felton last. No, he was North Carolina. But um, Calvin Austin, he's a shorter guy. He's 5'9", only 173, but quick as a jitterbug. Uh, re- he looks like he could be a good punt returner. He jumped out to me. Uh, and, you know, I think one guy that I didn't mention over the last two days that has kind of caught my eye watching practice last night that I went back, I looked at some of his reps from previous days. He was really good. Georgia offensive lineman Jamari Salyer. Uh, he played right tackle at Georgia. He started off at guard this week, moved out of tackle on Thursday. He kind of looks sloppy. Like, he's not the most well-put-together guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't test very well. But I got to be honest, dude doesn't lose reps. Like, he just wins, and he looks good doing it. So he's an offensive lineman that, that I know Lance loves his multi-positional versatile guys that you can plug at different spots. Lance, this guy's going to be your guy because he can do both guard spots, both tackle spots. Some people think he might be able to go to center as well. And again, might not test well, but I thought he, he did a real nice job blocking. And one other guy, too, I know the Giants don't need safeties. But I thought Jalen Petre, the safety out of Georgia, uh, did a really nice job covering, especially tight ends one-on-one. So looking for a coverage safety that can maybe do a little nickelback stuff. I thought Jalen Petre out of Baylor had a really nice couple days as well. Jeff Ball, one of you guys could take your shot. Um, 
I'll take a shot here. I know we talked a little bit about the quarterbacks yesterday. I'm still intrigued by this quarterback class because I don't think they're any good. Um, and so, but I, as I really, <laughs> I know that's, that's really why bad you're intrigued to say. by them. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm you're intrigued just by insult it. at all. But. I'm intrigued by it because usually this is what we talk about is the quarterback class and it just doesn't seem that there's any sexiness to this thing and I you know so that brings me we talked about it yesterday John I want to know from your perspective is there something that we need to look for tomorrow in this game that may because I know that they kind of you know they substitute these guys in and out but is there any indicator who starts the game or is it kind of a coin flip? How does it, how are yeah. we going to get a gauge about who's, you know, who's going to get the most time and I things like that? I don't know the answer to that. They've kind of rotated the guys in terms of what order they throw in at practice. So uh, they've really switched it for both teams, both weeks. I would imagine Kenny Pickett will start for one team. I would think Malik Willis or Sam Howell would, would, would start for the other. You know, I just talked to Jeff Risden from real GM. He's always one of our combine guests, Paul. He's still in Mobile. He joined us. Uh, He joined me on the Giants huddle, a post up this afternoon, and he had a great line about Malik Willis, and I thought he hit it. Malik Willis easily had the single best individual quarterback reps of any other quarterback at the event this week. Mm -hmm. Malik Willis also probably had three of the single worst quarterback (laughs) reps at practice this week. So he's kind of all over the place, but if... And if if you're looking for a guy that can turn into a star in two or three years, he's your guy. If you're looking for some, he's only six feet tall, but he's an athlete. He's got an arm. He's a good, good player, good thrower of the football. If you want somebody to be good in two or three years, that might be able to break out. You know, think of the uh, love pick by the Packers a couple years ago, right? I think Malik Willis is your guy. If you want somebody to step in year one and be like, oh, this guy's a solid quarterback. He's okay. You know, you could, you know, he could be, you know, you know, he could be an Andy Daltonish type of guy. I think Kenny Pickett's your guy, and you know the Steelers want him. And and I think Howell is kind of a step below that in in terms of the guys that are, can step in and play right away. So, yeah, Jeff, there isn't a whole lot of you know greatness that you see, but you know if you're shooting for upside, Willis is definitely your guy. If you want the 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 solid guy who's played a lot of college football and is a pocket passer, then I think you're looking at Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. By the way, I'm looking at the Senior Bowl depth chart that they just put up. Howell and Pickett are the two guys on the top line. So I yeah, would figure surprising. that those would be the two starters tomorrow. The Senior Bowl has put out a depth chart. Yes, they do have a depth Lance, chart. Lance, I can Indeed. only imagine how happy that makes you. Knowing how much you you love depth charts. Well, I mean, it's just nice to have some organization. They have it by position, no, that's and cool. they have the rankings. Do I don't so. think they've done that before, actually. I'm surprised. I don't remember them ever doing that. Now, yeah. do they have uniform numbers on them, too? Yes, they have uniform oh, numbers on the depth awesome. chart. Yep. I can't tell you how frustrated I get when I, like, I watched the East-West Shrine game last night, well, right? You, you, you know, if you would have just asked me, I could have sent you the Senior Bowl roster with numbers. No, but here's the problem. They don't put them in numerical <laughs> order. They put them in alphabetical order. I have them in numerical order. You have a numerical order one. The one on the site, I was telling telling, uh, Lance, the one on the site has them in alphabetical order. That's of no use to me. I have alphabetical. I have by position. I have by number. Well, Well, the depth chart has numerical order. That's all I If I got the depth chart, I'll be all right. But thank you. I should have asked. Yes. Yeah, why does the site only have alphabetical order? Well, I mean, for for most of the week, the site didn't even have numbers on it. They just had names. So... You know. it's a, and East West Shrine last well, night, they only had all of the details with the heights and weights and measurements of the guys on one of the teams. The other team just had the position Seriously? school numbers. Uh, I'm funny. like, that's what do you want? Why? What is this? Uh, Who's running these websites? Boy. Anyway, 
Um, there's a guy I wanted to ask you about, John, because yeah. I watched all the cut-ups and the shows and the tapes and all that stuff, too. And and Penning just went out, the, the offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa. The dude, the dude had so many reps where he was feisty, he was nasty. You could even say borderline dirty, to be honest. The guy was as scrappy as could be. Just tossing guys. Really? Yeah. And after yeah. the yeah. whistle, too. Now, from when you were there, did you get a chance to talk to him at all? Did they have any player interviews? They did not. What is his personality like? They brought the players. I saw a play interview he had on ESPN. I saw that, too. He seemed pleasant. That's as much that I got out of it because they did do guys that would talk to the media after practice, but they were on on the field and we were in the stands, so you could barely hear what the guy said. Uh, So, no, but he reminds me a lot of Terrell Lewan. Like, if you want to pick out an offensive tackle that he reminds me of, he reminds me a lot of Taylor Lewan. I'm not yes. sure if he's as good of an athlete as Taylor Lewan is and is as good of a player, but in terms of attitude, physicality, throwing people around, you know, he's, he's got a nasty streak. Now, I don't know if you really want to be throwing guys to the ground all the time because I can get penalties for that. I'm not sure that's the well, best way to go about your business. Every coach is going to say that to him. And you it's funny. be disciplined. Well, I was talking to Jeff Risden. He led his conference in penalties last year. So that's something he's going to have to clean up. But he was easily the best offensive tackle there. Uh, wasn't close. A guy Lance mentioned yesterday, I thought did a really nice job out there too. Bernhard Rahman yep. out of Central Michigan. He was pretty good. Um, but, you know, th- those are the guys for me. And I thought Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver out of South Alabama, just to, 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 to switch gears as a small school guy, I thought he was the best receiver on the field on Thursday. I thought he did a really nice job too. I should mention him. The By the thing, way, the, go ahead, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to mention the Bills drafted – Penning's teammate last year, Spencer Brown, in the third round. And also starting for him, offensive too. Offensive lineman. Yeah. yeah. He was in and out of the lineup this year because of COVID and some injuries. But, yeah, he's expected to be their guy moving forward, yeah, we, at least at right tackle. And we talked about him at the Senior Bowl last year. He was 6'8", but kind of thin as a rail. And you thought he might get you know moved around and pushed around a lot as a rookie. But he actually stepped in and then started for the Bills for the second half of the year. Yeah, especially late in the year. Yeah. yeah. Now, the other thing going into this, John, um, I'm a big Ferguson guy, the tight end out of Wisconsin. Uh, you figures right. You you got to know he fits my profile perfectly. He had a couple nice hands catches okay. in the back of the end zone on Thursday in that indoor facility. They didn't show enough video of him during the three days that I saw of the practice sessions and the recap sessions. I haven't gone back to look at the tight end cutups yet, but it seemed to me from the commentators that were talking on television that the tight end position is actually very deep this very year. Very deep. 100% yeah, agree, Paul. That yesterday. There yeah, are, about that. Jeremy Ruckert, Ohio State, could be a day two guy. Uh, Trey McBride from Colorado State. He had almost 100 catches last year. I want to see how he tests. You know, he seems to have the good sense of where to go in zones, good hands, but I don't see explosion from him. But maybe he has that, like, weird Jason Witten, I can get open, but you can't tell by watching me thing going. I thought you were going to reference Jake Ballard. He reminds me a little <laughs> bit of that potential of Jake Ballard, where you look at him on screen, he moves in slow motion, yes. but he still somehow makes the Correct. place. Jake Ferguson, yeah. I agree. He, You know, he can block. He's from Wisconsin. He has to block. Love him. But, again, I don't think he's going to be a guy that catches more than 40 or so balls for I get but it's it. fine, but that's fine. Mid-round pick, go for it. All good. Uh, if you're looking for a pure receiver, I thought Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina mm-hmm. is your guy. So if you're a looking lot of for a downfield target, he can move. He can get separation. I don't know what type of blocker he is. I only saw a couple reps. Looked okay, uh, but if you're, not, if you're drafting him, you're not drafting him to block. You're well, drafting him to catch They're balls. calling a new position now. Did you notice this during the shows? They're now calling them the F tight end. Yeah, the F, yeah. 
because they call the flanked. F or the move tight yeah, end. Yeah, that's what they'll call it. It used correct. to be the move yes, tight end. Correct. Now it's called the F tight end. And then, you know, a lot of people have been raving about Greg Dulcich, the tight end out of UCLA. Mm-hmm. I saw him catch some passes. I agree he did a good job getting off a of press. I don't know if I saw explosiveness from him, but he was another guy that I think did okay. And then you have Charlie Kohler from uh, Iowa State, another mm-hmm. guy that I thought could be a potential, you know, low end, mid range starter in the NFL. So, yeah, I don't, you might not have one tight end go in the top 15 or 20 picks. You might only have one go at the back end of the first round. But Second day, there'll be plenty of them. It'll be a big day to for I bring that up, John, because as you know, and all of us know with the Giants, you've got Evan Ingram, an unrestricted free agent. We don't know what the new staff thinks about him, whether or not they'd even think about bringing him back. And Kyle Rudolph is one of those guys with his contract that you could make an economic reason for cutting him. And Caden Smith has an eight. He, he, he missed the whole second half of the season. Right. So... We don't talk about it much here. We always talk about offensive line and pass rusher. But the Giants absolutely need to address the tight end spot. Tight end is actually Jeff's pet project this offseason. He's borderline <laughs> obsessed with it. I like the tight ends. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember you talking about that. Well, we did a little bit yesterday. Okay. See, yeah. I was yep. not part of the show yesterday, so I don't recall. But uh, <laughs> I didn't listen. I confess. That would can be they, a heck of a job they, if you recall have something Kyle, you listened to. Can they have another Kyle Pitts somewhere that we No, Jeff. <laughs> no, there's no Kyle Pitts. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to start screening calls here. Anybody else have any Senior Bowl thoughts or questions before we get to the calls? No, good stuff. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, I think over the last few days, we've covered pretty much the key players and all the different angles. Now it's just a matter of seeing them in the game a little bit. I'll say this. The only thing I'll say, I don't think we've mentioned one cornerback as we talked about, you know, the the senior bowl this week. Mm -hmm. And that's because these cornerbacks get put into a tough spot. You know, they have to do all these one-on-ones against wide receivers and play them in space. It's such an advantageous thing for wide receivers to do. The cornerbacks, if they just don't embarrass them themselves, I feel like that's almost a win for those guys because they're put in such difficult situations. I thought Kobe Bryant and the other Cincinnati corner were good. Uh, Damari Mathis from Pittsburgh I thought did pretty well. Uh, those are the two the, the group of corners that I like. Tariq Castro-Fields from Penn State I thought showed he could play a little man-to-man. And I thought there were some off-ball linebackers that, that did pretty well too. I mentioned Troy Anderson from Montana State yesterday. I thought he was excellent. Brian, is he the Asamoah or, or Asamoah? Uh, I, boy, I do not have it written down where he went to school. But he's a guy that I, that I thought did really well in the, uh, over the weeks, of, uh, the three days of practice. And then I thought Aaron Hansford from Texas A&M actually had a pretty good week. So just some other guys that we really haven't mentioned much. Kirby Joseph, safety out of Illinois. I thought he had a nice week, too. Or Illinois State, maybe. Uh, somewhere in Illinois. Uh, he, I thought he had a really nice week at safety as well. So I, I Roger McCreary is another corner from Auburn that I thought was interesting. Yeah, he's highly rated, but he didn't take a lot of reps. I'm not sure how much he actually participated. Well, all I know is is that he's got a unique story, and yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard about his pregame routine, what he eats before a game. What does he insane. eat? He eats basically an entire pot of beans with three packs of sugar on top, and somehow it works for don't him. Wanna, I was don't want to be around that, that guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you mean he has a lot of gas, both literally and figuratively, is what you're saying. Well, yes. Pepper Johnson used to put pepper on his cereal as a kid, and that's how he became Pepper Johnson. Is, is that how he became Pepper yes. Johnson? His name is Thomas Johnson. Well, I know. His actual name's not Pepper. I just didn't know how he got the Pepper nickname. Yeah. Pepper on his cereal. That's disgusting. It is. <laughs> That's a yes. bad idea. Yeah. I can't say. Like, I'll I can introduce see sugar you. On you can beans. tell him that. that, 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 that yeah. This might be the first thing all four of us agree on, that yeah. pepper on cereal oh, yeah. is a terrible in, idea. Yeah. yeah. Sugar I, I on beans isn't bad, but pepper on exactly. cereal. Yeah. Yeah. Regarding the corners, though, John, um, 
there were some corners in the Shrine game that also looked very good. So maybe the corner spot might be a little bit deeper than people think, even though they're not getting a lot of headlines. Yeah, I didn't watch any of the Shrine stuff, to be honest with you. So Lucas was a guy that I particularly liked a lot. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. We got a packed full of calls here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Of course, it's every weekday on Giants.com, Monday through Friday at noon. Don't forget, Giant fans, you can still secure your season tickets for 2022 for only 100 bucks. Limited seats available. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Sonny in Orlando will lead us off today. Sonny, what's going on? Hey, how you guys doing? I'm a long-time listener, uh, first-time caller. Well, thanks, uh, Sonny. What's up? Um, I'm calling because um, I see on Twitter a lot of people talking about we need to draft a quarterback with the first pick. And um, Who? I'm like, I'm people, baffled. I'm like, People that don't know what they're talking what? about. I mean, that's absurd. Stop you, listening to those I'm, people. You're, you're reading comic books but, if you're reading that, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Not I'm good. like, these years of having a bad offensive line and you know not being able to rush the ball and seeing that uh Daniel Jones getting hit you know not being able to go through his reads I'm like you know how do you guys come up with drafting a quarterback number one well I mean look Sonny if there was a quarterback available that you thought could be like a Joe Burrow type player by all means use your draft capital and go get that guy you know because Joe Burrows don't grow on trees but that player just simply doesn't exist in this draft class yeah that's that's what that's what I'm saying it's like we need O-line you got to build your foundation before you can go out and start building the house. You know what I mean? Like, if we don't have an offensive line to get Saquon two, three, four yards rushing, you know, every every time he touches the ball or give Daniel Jones at least two, three, two to three seconds to go through his reads, what good is the team going to be? Like, Sonny, we're, you know, we're going to do everybody a favor here. Not only do we all believe that the smartest thing to do is to stick with Daniel Jones for this season. We all agree with that. It, it's the only logical thing yeah, to do. Yeah, simply because there aren't any other good options out okay. there. There, right. there are no other options, really. Right. He, mm-hmm. he is A, B, and C, okay? But aside from that, Joe Shane, the new general manager, and Brian Dayball, the new head coach, have spelled it out. They're going to build this year's team, this year's offense, around Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, and they're going to prioritize fixing the offensive line. They've already told you what they're going to do. So anybody else out there who wants to trade Barkley or get another quarterback, you know what? You're better off using your time elsewhere because you're wasting your time. Yeah, and I totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, you have to have the offensive line. Like, Eli's last four years were kind of like, we're bad, we're bad years because he wasn't getting no protection. You know, everything was like a quick pass or a, or, a, or a flare pass to the running back coming out of the backfield. That's why Eli, you know, he didn't succeed like his last, you know, few years that he had. Because, you know, he's, he's a quarterback that has to go through his reads. And, you know, a lot of people complain then, oh, it's Eli, it's Eli. No, it's the old line. We need to build an old line for these quarterbacks to succeed. Thank you, Sonny. Appreciate the call. I think we're all in agreement on that. I think that'll be a big focus uh, for at least one of those two first-round picks. 
And obviously, we don't like to assign positions, but I think based on just what the top 10 looks like, yeah. you're seeing three <laughs> offensive tackles in most top 10s you're looking at. The value will be there, John. The NC State right? kid, Cross, and um, the, the kid Neil. from Alabama. Neil. Evan Neal, thank you. I've been looking at all these senior bowl guys. I haven't looked at the other names in like two weeks. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just, guys, you know, Lance Jeff, it just looks like that's what's going to be available. So it's not that you're targeting a position. It's just that that's where the value it looks like is going to be based on the players that are there. I, I believe the Giants can get who they want at seven and trade the fifth, go down and get something. Well, that is risky business, Mr. Fiegels, because all three of those tackles could be gone by seven. I doubt it. Could be. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a risk you take. So why not just trade well, seven? Well, risk reward, though. Why risk not just reward. trade seven then and keep five? Well, because you get more for five. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be significant. Well, significantly I think, more. I, well, I only do this if I have an idea who's above me that's coming or who's below me wanting to come up. And by the way, if, if who may want that other player that, I, you know, we're in a good situation. It's only two picks later, right? So, I mean, you can kind of look at that and say, I have really good faith that I can get the player I want at seven and I'll trade the five down to whatever. But I, I'm just kind of a, I'm just wanting this team needs to be built and you're going to build it through the draft. Let's get them. Go get those picks. Go get them. Build it through the draft, guys. All right, Jeff. Jeff, you know we're all brothers here, and and and. But I got to be honest. I can't even believe that you just said that. I really can't, because they've they've got five picks in the Why? in the top three rounds. Yeah, you're still okay. going to have five picks in the top okay, three rounds. Okay, but here's the but thing. But you're also going to get more by getting somebody that wants the five. Okay, but here's the problem. Usually, you get the premium price. When there are a bunch of people who are dying and falling all over themselves you don't to get know those that premium yet, quarterbacks, you don't know that though yet. You, somebody's somebody's gonna fall in love with somebody. If there's love every year, it happens. But, now, I will say this, Paul: if if I can trade out of one of those two picks and pick up extra picks for future years, especially, it's a no-brainer. That's it's what an I'm saying. absolute no-brainer, especially since you don't know what your quarterback situation is next off-season. Getting I extra got more draft creams next year than this year is a no-brainer. If you have conviction that there are seven blue chip players in this draft, yeah, but there aren't. If you have conviction, they might, but they might have that. You don't know that. I'm not John. even sure there's two or three. But, but you don't know that. We don't know what they think. Uh, if the always... front office upstairs thinks that there are seven players that they would be thrilled with, and that if we get any one of those seven, we're happy with, then you got to keep five and seven. Yeah, but you don't know that. No, we don't. We don't know that. I'm, I, but I'm. I'm but then why you are you saying because that? Because you because you have to acknowledge the possibility exists. Well, we have to also acknowledge the possibility that it, it doesn't does. exist. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, all possibilities exist. Yeah. I'm suggesting to you that you will always max out and get the overpriced premium to make a deal with somebody who's going up to get a quarterback when you have the Herberts and the Lux and the Mannings well, of, of the world up there. Of course. I don't think anybody is going to give you their house and three pieces of property in Texas for picket. I don't see that happening. Okay, so now let me toss you this. So if you don't think that's going to happen, and and the upper management in the building seems to think that there's seven blue chip players, somebody's going up to get one of those blue chip players, whether it's a quarterback or a corner or a safety or a lineman. Yeah, but if you're the Giants, you're going to say, I'm getting two of those guys. There's no way in hell I'm trading out of this. It depends they'll never, what the offer is. Because I'll never get another... Of course it does, but I'm telling you, reasonably speaking, you're never going to get a godfather offer, given the fact of who is in this but draft. But you're picking seventh. You shouldn't expect a godfather offer. You should expect a good offer. Really good. 
Like, for example, for example, for example. Everything's possible. For example, look at the trade last year that the Dolphins made to move up to draft Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle was a blue chip. He was a blue chip. We it, all knew he was going to be terrific. Exactly. So I would make that trade in a second. If I get an extra first-round pick to move down five spots, where do I sign? You got two next year again. Because you know what? <laughs> because you know what the Eagles got in that spot where they traded for Jalen Waddle? I got Devonta freaking Smith. <laughs> okay. So they had Not, an extra first-round pick and still got Devonta Smith. Okay, that worked out because the draft was deep enough that you had guys who were supposed to be blue chips. Yeah, this but, draft is not supposed yeah, to be that You know deep. as well as I do that, you know, you, you talk with such confidence. Like, these guys that you think are blue chips are all definitely going to be great. Or that guys you don't think are going to be part, blue chippers right. may emerge. Too. Right. Part, yeah. part of the personnel department's job is to try to make the best logical identification of who the blue chips are and how many there are. That's part of their job. Right, but you also can't overplay your confidence. You know what I mean? They've got to... They've, you, if you're not going to be assertive, then don't be in this business. You have to be assertive. No, see, that, that that's not true. You you want to maximize your odds of doing well in the draft. No You doubt. can't be overconfident in your own no, evaluation. No, I, you have to do the best you possibly can. No one's saying you don't. But if you have the belief and the assertiveness that there are two, uh, two blue chippers among the top seven picks and you have a chance to get both of those guys, you do it. Because that first-round pick that you may be trading for next year could be 25. And therefore, guess what? You're never going to have another spot where you have two top 10 picks in the draft again. This may be the only time. It is the only time in Giants history they've had two top 10 picks. You want to squander one of those and trade it for a package that may wind up including the 25th pick next year? Good luck to you. I can't see it. I don't see him going that far down. But you don't know where it's going to be. If you're trading for a future Neither one for next year as part of the package, <laughs> what's the odds it's going to be a top 10? Two-thirds of the way says it's not going to be because there are 32 picks in the first round. So two-thirds of the possibility is that you're not going to get a top 10 pick next year. Yeah, but you're getting multiple picks. You're getting All more right. than one. It's okay. We can agree to disagree. I'm not going to tell way, you guys you're that, wrong, that, but, what but I'm I saying, certainly would not go But if way. you go into you go into this scenario next year with two first round draft picks and you want to get a quarterback then you have two first round draft picks Bingo. you might be go there you go so paul it's not a matter of like maybe having to use that player on that pick you're it's leverage you're going to package something that it's maybe more you capital. go up or work exactly because if you have to move up for a quarterback next year would you there. rather have an extra first round pick or not go ahead lance i'm sorry no, I was basically just making the point what Jeff said. It's more capital. That's what Jeff is saying. You have more to bring to the middle of the table to say, hey, maybe I can entice a team to move out of their spot because we're going to give you an extra first-round pick. I That's the way that I look at it. I but look at it from a GM's perspective, and the fact that I have two top tens for the first time in franchise history, and probably Joe Shane could never even fantasize in his wildest dreams that he would ever be in this position, and he probably never will be again in his lifetime. I don't see him making a trade. Well, that's why, I mean, it goes I back to, it. it goes back to, Paul, if they have conviction about two guys on their board who justify two top 10 picks, then I'm with you. You take them and you don't ask any questions. Exactly. But if the board shows that there is 
some evenness at a variety of different spots, then I'd be willing to maybe move out of it. It all depends on what the board has to say. And here's the other thing. You guys were talking about offensive linemen. Let's not forget, the Giants need to fix the interior of the offensive line as much as they do need to add an extra tackle. So if you're talking about addressing the interior of the offensive line, there's, I think, possibility to move back in the first round and still be able to address the interior of the offensive line if you don't have a love affair with the tackles at that point. Well, with five picks, though, in the top, three rounds you should you could in theory get at least two or three starting offensive linemen by the end of the third round okay so now you could do that so now having an extra pick later in their draft is a good thing right now it's (laughs) fine with what you have look the truth is fellas if you can't get and i said this i've already said this before the goal has to be of those top five picks that you make three of those a minimum of three of those have to give you immediate production right away if you can't do that, you've done a bad job no, in this draft. I, I think that's true. Case closed. Right. So, Not very hard with this but team. I also think, Paul, considering <laughs> how little they're going to be able to do in free agency this year because of the salary cap situation, and moving forward, you want to you know, you try to have as many throws at the dartboard as you can. And I, you, know, you said you're thinking as a GM. Well, so am I. And my thought as a GM, my top priority as a general manager is making sure my team has a quarterback that I think can lead me to the promised land. And right it. now, we don't know about Daniel Jones. Right. We're figuring, we're figuring it out this year. I agree with that. He could not even be on the roster next year. To pay, he could be a free agent if they don't pick up could the bigger option. Any of these things are possible. No doubt. So what I'm always thinking ahead is, okay, how can I best optimize my ability to find the next franchise quarterback? Once I have my franchise quarterback – then I'm more in your ballpark. You're trying to surround him with other great players. You're making a run. I mean, look at how the Rams have operated, right? Once they knew they were really good, they're just trading first-round picks all over the right. place to try to win. But when you're in the Giants situation, I feel like you want to diversify your portfolio, to use a financial term, as much as you can. You don't want to put as many of your eggs into a smaller number of baskets because any player can get hurt. Even as a blue-chip prospect, you can get hurt, right? No if you're spreading that into multiple players, plus, to Lance's point, you're gaining capital in future years that maybe, and maybe you don't have to, but maybe you do have to use it for a quarterback because none of the other stuff matters unless you have the QB. So that's what my thought process and, is, and that has some credence. It, uh, if you're if you ha- if you are putting a higher priority on the doubt of your current quarterback, and that you may need more capital in 2023 to go get one, then you can chew on some of the beef that you guys are pushing out there right now. I feel like Roosevelt and Malta. I've okay. brought the four leaders together. But but <laughs> but see, my my priority and my priority and my thinking is not that way. My priority and my and thinking is too. I need as many impact players as I can get on this team right now because I'm not doubting the quarterback maybe as much as that train of thought is. And I'm looking at a Giants team that I think has, and I was talking to a scout the other day. We had this discussion on the show. I think the Giants have a lot of good players, but they don't have enough of great players, impact players. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're dar- well, there's a dart for those guys. And, and, Paul, I think my thinking, too, and the reason why I think the way I do, I've looked at half of the top ten guys that are on these lists. Kind of underwhelmed by them, and, and to that's be quite fine. honest with you. And that's fine. But they, and then, then to your point, you might not find somebody that wants to trade up 
Because yeah, no well, one I mean, that's that. the other thing. Yeah, I, yeah. If that, if if your if your point is true about the lack of superstar guys up that high, then you're never going to get the price that you think you're going to get to move down. Right, and well, it won't be attractive to do it. It goes back to even last year's draft. You remember we were having the conversation. I didn't think there was going to be a lot of quarterbacks that went early, and the Patriots wound up letting Mac Jones fall to them. So there could be a team, right, that loves Malik Willis or loves Kenny Pickett, but they're in the middle of the pack, and they say, we have faith that the guy's just going to fall to us. So that team yeah. is not going to make an aggressive move. You know, that's something to watch. It could very well play out. Like last year, even though the crop of quarterbacks last year had a little bit more substance and stock behind them. I just, I go back to what John was talking about. To me, Paul, it's not about Daniel Jones's skill set so much, even though there is some question marks there. To me, my concern right now is durability. He has not proven that he can last the season. That's fair, too. So you are rolling a lot on the table with those dice. Forget the skill set, Paul. Forget telling me that you're going to improve the environment around him. You cannot guarantee to me, as it stands right now, that Daniel Jones is going to play. Can you guarantee me he's going to play 15 games next year? Out of the 17? Can't do it. Okay, Can't so until that changes, that's more of a reason why you've got to at least protect yourself. I'm campaigning for, they need to improve the backup quarterback position. I know you may not all agree with that, and I'm not saying that well, they've got to go out do. and make a big splash, but I'd like to see them prioritize that, whether it be signing a veteran to a one-year deal, making a move for somebody that has to be upgraded because of the very reason that Daniel Jones is far from a guarantee to play 13 to 15 games. Just remember year. one thing. Mm -hmm. The further down you drop, the higher your price is going to be to make the trade, right? Sure. That's the idea. Mm -hmm. Well, again, if this is an underwhelming top of the first round, you got to think to yourself also, how far am I willing to drop, period? Well, see, I think you're willing to drop more. Because if you're looking at maybe the guys picked at a 20 aren't that much different than the guys picked at 7, then dropping more is not going to okay, bother you. You, right, you would like to believe that, except you're not going to get the price because everybody else in the league knows that those top the top in the draft isn't that good. Yeah, to move 12 or 13 spots, though, I think you still might be able to get a future one. The, to move 12 or 13 spots, that, that, that's a the, long the, way. Depends on how the rest of the league sure. views what you think right. is a watered-down first round. And I think Jeff made this point earlier, too. If you do end up, let's say, again, this is all... Speculation and hearsay. Of course, right? uh, everything is possible. Nobody's right. wrong on this. I know. Let, let's say you draft an offensive tackle at five, right? And okay. then at seven, you move down and you're picking it, let's say, 22. Throw a random number out there, right? You're picking at 22. Then all of a sudden, huh, the best guard in the class is still on the board. That's interesting. Can't pick a guard or a center given the class at seven. You know what you can do, though? Mm -hmm. You can pick them at 18 or 20. And you can feel pretty good about that. Yeah, but you won't know that until you get that far. Well, you know, no, Linderbaum might be there also at 18. True. You uh, might get, you know. be pushing it, but not impossible. Right. No, not right. impossible. So th that, I think, is interesting, too. Then you get the extra one the year after two, and then you get more draft capital. Anyway, I want to get back to the calls. We didn't do a lot of calls yesterday. Brandon Matt, Matt Corral is another guy that we don't mention because he's not at the scene. Yeah, he's hurt. He's hurt. I will say this. It's a good conversation to have because there is no right or wrong answer. There and really isn't here. And I think we're way too early, too, to have the conversation. But it's still fun. It well, is fun to talk Because free about. agency, as we always say, is going to have a big part in this. One splash. Well, I mean, we don't, have, we have the con we don't even know even, who's going to get we caught. We haven't even gotten the combine yet, oh, either. Exactly. So there's, 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 a ton of there's people going. Yeah. Brandon <laughs> in New Jersey is up next. Brandon, what's up? How's it going, fellas? I got a lot of staff today. That's awesome. 
Uh, <laughs> hey, I actually, uh, I'm going to throw a little wrench at you, because uh, I'm actually not even calling about the Giants. Uh, it's about league rules. Is there a rule against pumping in crowd noise? Yes. Yes. Yeah, remember the Falcons right. were punished as a result of that. Do you, all right, did you guys watch the San Francisco Rams NFC Championship game? Sure. Right. All right, I'm going to give an example. When the Giants get a first down, you get the doom, 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 move those chains, right? You watch that on the live, on like a TV broadcast, you almost can't hear that, right? You almost don't know that's happening, you know, in the stadium. Yeah, right. I okay. watched the Rams-San Francisco game, and when you get to the third quarter, to the end of the game, the and the other thing is the DJs never really play while like music or anything while plays are happening. Yeah, Brandon, there's a From rule. The quarter, there's a rule that you cannot play anything over the PA. It's either with. 20 or 15 seconds left on the play clock. Yeah. I'm not sure which one, but there's a hard cutoff time for every stadium Correct. where there's a certain amount of time on the play clock, and then you cannot play anything on the PA or on the video boards after, I, th- I think it's 20 seconds left on the play clock. Yeah, I thought it was 15, but it might be 20. One or the other. Correct. All right. The Ram-San Francisco championship game. If you guys go back and watch the TV cast. Okay. From the third quarter, about like maybe five minutes or so, I think it's like right around three minutes in the third quarter. The DJ during a play starts screaming, "We're going! This is for the Super Bowl! This is for the Rams! Rams get loud!" And at first you're like, "All right, cool," but after that point, that dude doesn't shut up to the end of the game. In the fourth quarter, there's a point where Jimmy Garoppolo literally looks over at the sideline in the middle of his cadence and goes, "Dude, what? What am I supposed to do with this?" And the guy's just yelling over top and. I was wondering, the reason I was wondering, because, number one, I haven't heard anybody make mention to, you can hear this dude the whole I, fourth quarter. Well, those brand, it's funny. I didn't notice it watching the game. I now, I, I had company, and I had a four-year-old. So, and I had the volume so, low You had enough noise. Yeah, I, I had yeah. enough saying, noise John. anyway. Yes. So maybe that was happening. But I will say this, though, Brandon. As the only one of this group that was in L.A. for that Giants-Chargers game this year, mm-hmm. that was the loudest and most irritating and annoying <laughs> PA guy that I have been around in my entire life. Brandon is right. Dude does not shut up and just screams into the microphone yeah. over the PA. Papa, Banks, and I were ready to wa- find his booth and toss him out the window. It was the oh, most what? annoying a PA guy I have ever heard in any arena in my entire life. It was horrible. He's right about the that. The biggest thing I had, the biggest issue I had was in the first half of that game, I don't care what happened, Rams left California. So when they came back, I know they have to reestablish a fan base. And I don't care what you say, the first half of that game, there were more 49ers fans than Rams fans. And it was like after halftime, it was almost like somebody whispered to Buddy, like, you know, they're not getting loud enough on third down. They're not getting loud <laughs> enough at these times. And... All of a sudden, I'm serious. Like, and I can hear verbatim his words. This is the we're going to the championship. This is for the championship. Y'all better get loud. Y'all better. And it's like, bro, they're on the field. You have to shut up now. And then, oh. the, matter of fact, at three minutes and seven seconds, I'm serious. You can go back and watch. Around three minutes and All seven right. seconds in the game left, dude starts screaming. This is your last possession. If you don't get it, we're winning. We're going to the championship. And I'm like. So There's this is a carefully in the stadium. This is a carefully disguised me? call because you want to be the Giants' new PA guy. Is that right? <laughs> no, I'm, I actually want to be a coach. If you guys look at my tweets, I would like to be on the coaching staff. That's why I want to be. No, I'm just saying. I, I haven't heard nobody say nothing. And my biggest thing is, 
they host the Super Bowl. And I think that is an unfair advantage to have the PA guy while your team is on offense scream over top of my cadence. I believe, Brandon, if I'm not mistaken, I think the league brings yeah. in their own public address yeah, for guy the for Super the Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah, Paul I don't think Alden it's the is home the guy, team isn't he? Person. Yeah. Is it Paul Alden? Paul I Alden, I believe, is the Super Bowl PA guy. Well, that could be. He's very good. Yeah, I think he's the guy. If you don't know, Paul Alden for many years did the Yankees games and then became the Yankee Stadium PA yep. guy for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. I think it also appreciate the comment. The league rules, and I understand we're talking about the semantics of when you cut off the PA, but the rules that have led to punishment for teams specifically focuses on the wording of pumping in crowd noise. Guy getting on a PA and maybe not shutting up in time to me doesn't fall under that umbrella. That's just my interpretation. Lance, by the way, I, I I can speak to a fact that I know people that work in the scoreboard business, and if teams do play stuff too late in the play clock, the league does let them know about it. Okay, no, and I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying that, to me, I'm looking at the Falcons' punishment, okay, back in 2015. Right. The Falcons were fined three hundred fifty grand. They forfeited their fifth-round selection in the 2016 draft, and that was because of a violation of pumping in crowd noise. Mm -hmm. That was the specific wording. And then Rich McKay, their president, he had to serve a three-month suspension where he couldn't take part in the competition committee. But it was all about they found that they were guilty of actually pumping in noise. It had nothing to do with the PA announcer was trying to get the crowd pumped up with five seconds on the play clock. You know what, though, Lance? Uh, That's one of those things where – it's the Super Bowl, and if the L.A. Rams have any way, shape, or form to give themselves an advantage, they'll do it and say afterwards, oops, nah. we're sorry. You know what, though? But the, it's not going to happen. It'll the be league under is a microscope control. much The more. league will control the PA. Yeah, you know, the NFL brings in their entire yeah. – they, the, they do. The, the, the NFL runs stadium they entertainment do. for the Super Bowl. They so, do. I but if think, they could, L.A., well, the Rams well, would yes. do it. If well, they could. and the reason why that makes sense is because now you've had back-to-back years where the home team has hosted the Super Bowl, one of the teams. So mm-hmm. why would you want to give them a leg up? It's more of a reason why the NFL should come in and control that because it's not supposed to be – I know it's at the home stadium, but it's technically not supposed to be treated like a home game. It's you know, a neutral you, game. Fellas, let me let me just throw this at you. I want to get back to calls. All right, but, but the St. Louis, the, the, uh, the, the, the dome in St. Louis – all right. Raymond James, right? Is that what it was? No, Raymond James was, was uh, Colts. I don't oh, even remember no, no, anyway, I don't sorry. even Go remember ahead. the names yeah. now because all the damn sponsorships. But the Dome in St. Louis, where, where the Rams played. That the is... Edward Dome you're talking about, right? Wasn't okay. It? I, was it at one point, wasn't it the, the Checker Dome? Now it is apparently the Dome at America's Center. Okay. I don't know what it was before. Yeah, you know no, what? it was the Edward Dome, though. Oh, yeah. Edward it's Jones too Dome. Bad. Edward Jones, thank you. That's or even in San Antonio. Isn't it now that we've had back-to-back years where a host NFL team has had a Super Bowl, maybe it's time we figure out a neutral site <laughs> that does not have a Super Bowl, that, you you know, to have a Super Bowl mind. that doesn't have. I'm Paul, telling you, went you 54 years stake. without that happening. With the money at stake, do you really think oh, there's it'll a never chance? Happen. It'll so never why happen. why do you even waste our time But I think it? I personally don't like the fact that there is a home team in the Super Bowl. Is, there a, is there a buzzer years somewhere that we can hit the buzzer? Paul, do you think the Bucks had an advantage in last year's Super Bowl? Do you yeah. think that's why they beat the Chiefs? No, but I think they did have an advantage, and I think the Rams will too. Now, how did they have an advantage? An I advantage want to, I want to home, understand how they had their an home stadium. Okay, despite no, the fact that they were at their home stadium, how did they physically have an X's and O's advantage 
because they were at home. Now, there are a couple options here. Do you think it was more Tampa fans because they were in their home facility all week? What do no, you we think know the how the tickets go. Yeah, the, the tickets, tickets don't are... go to regular well, right. so we know, so we know I, that. well, that's why Lancer's trying to figure out exactly it's a, what it's you a, mean. It's about having the environment and the facilities that you have under a normal, everyday basis. You know the field. You understand all the conditions that surround the game. I I do think it, it it is. I think if you asked any team, oh, could you play the Super Bowl at your home site? Would you take it? You'd get 32 yeses. Okay, that's all you need to know. You'd get. I'm not disputing yeses. that. I think comfort is that's certainly enough. nice. That's enough. But I just to say don't look at that as much of an advantage, though. There's okay. nothing you could point to me at the game last year that the Chiefs lost in a lopsided affair because the Bucks were at home. That's I not just, the question. I don't see that. The question is, if 32 teams all say yes. Is that enough of a reason to say it's not a good idea? Well, the idea? reason I would say yes is, Paul, hold on a minute. If you were going oh, to boy. the biggest game of your life and I had the option to tell you you could sleep in your own bed for the entire week, wake up and drive to the stadium, Everybody or i got to put you up in a hotel for a week, what would you choose? You just proved my point. Thank no, but that's answer. not an advantage, though, from an much. X's and O's standpoint, though, Paul. That's my point. I specifically asked you, on the field, it's give not. me a reason has why they had an advantage. It has nothing to do with X's and O's. It has to do with environment. Well, games are played by then, people. Now that we're like 10 games minutes into the conversation. By people. And by the way, I'll say one of the I things. I thought aliens playing the NFL. I'm glad you clarified <laughs> that. Well, maybe you're an alien. I don't know. Well, yeah, who knows? You look like one. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I've been called worse. <laughs> yes. Well, Lance, in fairness, Paul looks like a Muppet. So you can be an That's alien. That's true, you can too. Be a Muppet. I, no, wow. Paul's, Paul kidding. always does this. He tries to insult me as if I'm going to go in the corner and cry I have, tonight. I, have, I, have I couldn't care you, less man. what you call I have me. Fun I really. With you. We're teammates. I'm going to be fine. We're teammates. You know, by the way, I have fun with you. I don't know how the season ended, but at one point, this NFL. NFL season, home teams were under 500 yeah. in the NFL this You're year. You're right. That's true. So there goes the home field advantage. <laughs> Can we get but a remember, yes. human beings play football, John. Human beings, okay? So 201-939-4513. Let's go to, didn't we have a Martian call earlier in the week when I joked that? We had Gardens said, of the yeah. Galaxy. Yeah, that's what that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Doug in Rochester. He's up next. Hey, Doug. Doug probably had enough of us already hung up. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him. All right, Doug, call back. We'll try to get oh, you up. God. Let's go to Mark in Chicago. He's up next. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Hey, Hi. I guarantee you that if the Bears uh, build a new stadium, there will be a Super Bowl out here, whether it has a dome or not. And that would be a neutral site for any team because – Bears fans don't believe they're ever going to get back to a Super Bowl. <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> By the way, Mark, it, it, so, Mark, all jokes aside, are they considering doing – they just renovated Soldier Field. Are they talking about building a new stadium? Oh, absolutely. They have a um, uh, a right to purchase the old Ar the Arlington uh, racetrack in Arlington Heights. And they're doing a study, and they will, by the uh, – sometime this year, decide whether they're going to buy it. Oh, wow. And I, I think what they're going to try to do is something similar along the lines of what they did in L.A., putting in an 8,000-seat stadium and, uh, you know, making it more of an entertainment and also residential complex. And they've got the room to do it. It's like 400 acres. Now, now, Mark, would, would, would they do a retractable dome? Is, I, I just find just thinking about the Bears playing in a dome all the time just seems weird to me. I can't, like, even mentally I, picture it. I think the fans would demand that it be retractable. Yeah, and I agree. If you're going to invest that much money, if you're going to invest that much money, you want a dome so you can do Final Fours Mark, and 
you know, National Football Championship and all that stuff. You know how sick Bud Grant is every night that he sees the Vikings play inside, <laughs> right? Okay? I know. All right. Yes, you now, you're you know, so I old. I don't remember a time when the Vikings didn't play inside. At, the, at so. the old Metropolitan Stadium. Well, exactly. It wasn't ice well, box. Bud Grant, great human way, being, by the way, I'm talking. <laughs> Outstanding yes, human being. Yes, tremendous. Yes. Well, two things on anyway. Bud Grant. One, I looked him up a few weeks ago. He's still alive. Yes, sir. And actually, not on Bud Grant, the uh, old Metropolitan Stadium is where the Mall of America is. That's correct. Oh, didn't know that. All right, Mark, what so, else you got for us on the actual Giants after I completely so, steered uh, your okay. call, call off the road? <laughs> Sorry about that. No, that's all right. A few points. You know, when Daniel Jones started under Pat Shermer, he wasn't really a running quarterback, um, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's true. And when he got hurt, his when he got hurt his first year, it was a hamstring, I think, from doing a quarterback sneak. And in my opinion, you know, you're talking about his injury history. It's really because Saquon Barkley went down, and our offensive line has been so bad that they've actually had to turn him into a quasi running back. Now, so Mark, I will say this. I think both his injuries, though, I came on scrambles. I don't think they came on design runs. I'd have to look at it again. I thought okay. they both. I thought they came on scrambles. I could be wrong about that, though. And well, look I at how look at how Brian Dable uses was... Josh Allen, Mark. I mean, let's not forget about that. Yeah, good luck. They have running backs, <laughs> and he runs them. So you know that's part yep. of their game plan. Right. Well, let's see. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I I. I like their hires, and I don't know if they've made it official with the OC, but I like where he's coming from, too. Yeah, but, and Mark, by um, the way, we have – I should say that. We have seen the reports on the OC. Uh, we Nothing, is, as far as we understand, is done there. That's why we haven't mentioned it. I wish we could have a long conversation about it, but luckily we have five shows next week and we could talk about it then. Go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, one of, um, I really appreciate what you guys do with the draft. And, you know, college football isn't my thing, so I really enjoy what you guys do. But it makes me think back, if you could go back in the Wayback Machine and look at David Deal. And now here's a fifth-round draft pick who arguably, you know, could be rated as one of the top ten all-offensive linemen in Giants history. What was it about him? And he's very intelligent. That's pretty clear. But what was it about him physically that he could play every position on the offensive line except center, which I think he probably could have done that if he wanted to. But, you know, what were his measurables? Because you hear, well, his arms are only 33 inches long. He can't be a tackle. You know, David Deal played every position on the line, and he was a fifth-round pick. And, you know, when I listen to today's, you know, people that analyze the draft, a fifth-round pick is almost garbage, you know? You know, Mark, I think I think what – no problem, Mark. Thank you for the call. I want to make sure we get a couple more guys in. I think what did it for Deal, guys, and disagree with me if you think I'm wrong, was really smart player, for one, so he could mentally handle going from spot to spot. And his technique was just so good. You know, he's a guy that – you know, he wasn't the most athletic guy. He wasn't the most physically gifted guy, but he just knew how to play the position, and that – technical prowess, I think, allowed him to do those different things, or at least that's my opinion. I would also say a guy who had tremendous heart because he played through it's every tough. play. Mm -hmm. And even if he didn't get it right, he would still scrap you. How about you, Jeff? You're in the locker room with him. Well, I, I think that, you know, we always talk about that versatility component to a lot of players. Some of them have it. Some of them don't. Most of them don't. 
he, he was he was that kind of person. I mean, he was very versatile. He could do anything, and I think that the coaching staff believed that he could step in at any time and play those positions. And by the way, it does take some intelligence to do that, and and he, he did it many many times. So, um, and and believe it or not, as much as you know, a lot of the offensive linemen are not like so-called athletes, if you will. I mean, they're not the the best athletes in the world, but they are all pretty athletic when it comes to their size. I think David Deal was pretty athletic as far as him being how big he was. But more importantly, those dudes were strong. <laughs> I mean, David Deal and Chris Snee and Richie Soybert, all those guys, oh, my goodness. Those guys could – there wasn't enough 45-pound plates in the weight room for all those guys. I'm telling you. They, so I think that that really has a lot to do with not only their mental part of the game, but their physical proudness, as, as you said, John, on the field just being so powerful and being able to play all those different positions and being a little bit athletic. I think just, yeah, David Deal is an outstanding, outstanding player. He was hundred well, percent. Also, Jeff, if you look back at his college days, I mean, he played guard and tackle in college. Mm-hmm. So to the last caller's point, you know, how did they identify it? Well, I think they had evidence on the field and he was part of the special teams unit. So I don't think deal transitioning to the NFL and playing multiple positions was a stretch sure. because you had some evidence to go by. And the last thing I need to add is David Deal was a human being, too. So that at least enabled them to give a better read <laughs> on what he could do on the NFL level. But please, John, let's go ahead and get back to the topic at hand. Yes. <laughs> We've got to have more of these, man. I'm, I'm tell just you what, this clarifying. Is listen, it's an ongoing element here and a theme today. I just want to make sure the audience realizes the most important aspect of football players. But please, go ahead. Yes. Love it. Let's go to the fine person, and that is Coach Marvin <laughs> in Delaware. He's up next. What's up, Coach? How are you guys doing? Sound like y'all having a heck of a day. We are What's having up, Coach. We're having a lot of fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. So we're, you know. Yeah, but, I uh, – Wanted to call. It's uh, I always say sometimes uh, there's nothing wrong from both sides being right. When y'all was talking about home teams playing at home, um, I, I think they do have an advantage. But the advantage is that they get to sleep in their own bed, and they have a mental state feeling. Oh, we playing at home, uh, we're more comfortable. But once you start playing, it doesn't matter where you're playing. Uh, you can lose at home, or you can lose on the road. Does it? Does it matter? So I think you're both, everybody's right in some sense um, about that. Um, and the other thing is uh, when you're talking about draft picks, again, you, you know, both sides are right. I mean, if I got two top five picks, I can take those picks. But uh, I think in this particular case, I'm looking to probably draft, use that fifth, that fifth pick overall. And I would look to trade out that seventh pick because I'm looking at it, and it's not really an outstanding class. I, I, don't, I really don't see much in this class. I see a lot of guys that are the same. Are the same. Um, it, you can go back and look at the Heisman running. You really didn't know who was going to run the, win the Heisman. There was no really true Heisman um, leader all year long. Um, that was based on the last game, probably that Alabama played, um, that turned aside in that. So I probably would trade out because I, I, I do want to pick from next year, have two picks next year. You know, Coach Marvin, I'm not going to... I, I, I think you hit it on the head. I think if you want to take a look at a draft and make a comparison, go back and look at the 2013 NFL draft. And Jeff and I, I think it was you and I that, that, that went through this at nausea on a show, right? Mm-hmm. And, the first round of the 2013 NFL draft, Lance, if you want to bring it up, 
It is a freaking oh, yeah. graveyard of bad picks. We went through it, John, on yes. another show. Yeah, yeah. okay. Or, I, 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 I wasn't sure if you were on that mm-hmm. show with me either. No, 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 we went through it, yeah. Yeah, there's like two or three decent first-round picks, and then there's like right. awesome picks all over the second and third round, which is why in a draft where you just, again, maybe the Giants will see it differently, but the way I see it, there's so many questions of even the guys that might go in the top 15. Give me more tosses. Right. Give me more throws. Give me again, yeah. ma- again. Maybe coach, someone might not want to come up and do that, and then you're stuck, and it is what it is. Right. But if I can, yeah. I'm with you. That's what I would like to do. I as think well. a lot of this depends on what you think of Karloftis out of Purdue. Do you think he is a legitimate blue chip pass rusher? Some people really believe that he needs to be a top ten pick because he is right below those other two guys who we all know who I they have are. not watched Karloftis yet. Now, other people I, think he's a middle of the first round guy. Right. Okay, right. so where do you think he is? If you think he's a bona fide top 10 guy, well, then you'd love to get your hands on him behind one of the linemen at five, grabbing Karloftis potentially at seven. If you don't you, think you, that there's a third pass rusher worthy of top 10 selection, you'd be more inclined to perhaps make a deal to move down no, I, into the team. I've teams. also seen a couple yeah. whispers that Thibodeau might have some droppage in him. The way some NFL teams yeah. are looking at him. So oh, we'll I'd be see. happy to take him at seven. Oh, <laughs> dude. By the way, no, 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 no. If, if, if he's there, you're taking him at five. You ain't taking him at seven. <laughs> I Go might ahead, just coach. do that. Go ahead, coach. But the, the kid from Purdue, I don't know if I want him. Well, he's like two seventy-five. Yeah, he's a bigger I look guy. At free technique. I'm looking for an edge rusher more than some guy that's gonna um, play play a three technique or anything like that or the five. I, I just want to edge Russia. I don't want a defensive end in a 3-4. Um, so at 275, what is he playing? No, it's a good Where question. It's a good question. A Mar- Marvin, I'm, I'm, if I can get him, if I think he's legit, if I think he's a real legit bona fide star pass rusher, I'm taking him and I'm playing a 4-3. It's that simple. I will, I'm telling Patrick Graham, this is how we're going to roll. Right. I can understand that. But I, I like going down, and um, I didn't know about this kid until I saw it on um, uh, this, uh, the, the DJ. Um, I can't think of his name. He's on NFL Network. Um, Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah. Jeremiah. He, yeah. Yes. And he put up this kid, uh, Devin Lord, and I took a look at Devin Lord. He reminds me a little bit of uh, um, um, uh, Mike. Um, Micah Parsons? From Parson. He reminds me a little bit. He's not as big as he is, but his movement, his attack to the ball, he's a side-to-side linebacker. He's an off-the-line linebacker, but he can rush the passer. Um, and, and, and I was wondering why he was picked at seven into that mark. So I took a look at him, and I can see why he's there. But a lot of people have him being picked somewhere between 15 and 20 is where they have him. So if you back up and can get him down there, I think I would go in that route to trade down. Coach, did you, did you, did you watch the uh, Shrine game last night, the Shrine Bowl? A they, little bit of it. Okay, they were talking about James Houston out of Jackson State as being Micah Parsons-like. Oh, and, and, wait, wait, and, time out, out of where? Jackson State. He's from Deion Sanders' program. This is why I watch the Shrine Bowl, because there's a lot of players you got to watch. Yeah. And, yeah, there's and, no one in the Shrine game and, that's Micah Parsons. And, well, this is, what, this is what Bucky Brooks was talking about. Well, Bucky Brooks is out of his mind. Okay. Now, I'm not saying <laughs> I thought that. Right. I'm just giving you something they were talking about last night during the game. This is a guy who's about 6'1", 225. 
I would think he'd be better as a strong safety as one of those rover backs. I don't necessarily consider him a, quote, linebacker. But they were talking about him. He was second in FCS in the nation this year in sacks. Had like 16 and a half sacks, I believe. And they were saying that, okay, you want to compare him, he's Micah Parsons-like. And I was like, whoa, let's pump the brakes on this, okay? I mean, I've seen this guy in one game last night. That doesn't mean anything to me. But this is the kind of thing that you're talking about when you try to project a guy to fit into the category of a great player. Yeah, I was watching. I watched a little bit of Devin Lloyd uh, a couple weeks ago. I I didn't see the – he's smaller, to Coach's point. He's only 6'1", 220, uh, or rather 6'3", 230. You know, Michael Parsons was 6'5", 250. Mm-hmm. And, Lloyd, and Lloyd did not move nearly as well as – like Parsons, remember, at 6'5", 250, Parsons moves like a safety. Like that's what makes him special. I didn't see that type of movement skill out of Lloyd either, to be honest with you. That was just me watching. I, I saw a little bit. I saw a little bit of that out of him, um, out of uh, Lloyd. I'm not saying that anybody else is saying he reminds them of of uh, Parsons. He reminds me of Parsons. And Parsons, you're looking at Parsons. I don't know if you are. I'm just guessing. As a Parsons, as an NFL player, yeah, he he seemed more explosive, showing his what he can do as an NFL player than he did in college. In college, Parsons to Lloyd. There were some similarities. I'm not saying that he is Parson. I'm just saying there are some similarities in the way they play, the sideline to sideline style of play, and the plays he made behind the line of scrimmage was impressive to me. I, but for some reason, uh, this scout put him up there, and I just wanted to see it for myself because I didn't know who he is. Well, you know what? I, it I also it also goes back to how those players are then ultimately utilized on the NFL level. Thank I you, mean, Coach. Dan Quinn, I think, did a really great job moving Micah Parsons around. And when they had injuries up front, he took a chance and put him out there as a defensive end. And then when all of a sudden Demarcus Lawrence and Gregory came back, he was able to go back to what they initially scheduled him to do. So, you know, you could see potential in comparison, but if he gets to an NFL team and that defensive coordinator doesn't experiment with him the same way as Parsons, you may never see that come to fruition. Keep that in mind. And you have to look at the testing, too. I mean, Parsons, yes. I mean, he like, had one of the best testing performances of any. He just won the fastest man at the Pro Bowl. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. He yeah, beat out Tyreek Hill, right? Yeah. yeah now, well, Tyreek got a bad I jump. That replay. He Tyree got a Hill, bad jump. He looked yeah, like he was trying very hard, Tyreek Hill, during that sprint. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. Micah me, Parsons, he, but he came out and said Tyreek Hill is faster. That's what he said. Okay, so. good. See, yeah. that's what, you know, the one, I got to give Micah Parsons credit. He says, Tyreek Hill is actually faster than me. I'm no Lawrence Taylor. He seems pretty self-aware. Good I think you for have, him. I think you have to give him some credit for that. He's yeah, not I like, like totally has his head in the clouds. Well, the other thing that he came at actually on the same topic, John, I think the other day I read a quote where he said, you know, people shouldn't be comparing other players to him because he's far from being a finished product. Good, mm-hmm. too. Just like we just had the conversation about now we're drafting guys and we're comparing them to Micah Parsons. Parsons only played one season in the NFL. So, you know, let's see what becomes of the rest of his career. He it even came nice out to and hear, said that. It is nice yeah. to hear guys that, have, that say things like that. That, that, that. That's good. That shows maturity. It really does. It also shows respect. And by the and, way, and that was one thing that people were worried about him coming out. But everything we've seen, he's, he's, he's done a nice job with that yeah, stuff. There were questionable issues uh, attitude-wise and maturity-wise yeah. coming out of Penn State. 
and uh, hasn't shown itself. So far, he said has all the not shown he has itself said with all Dallas. the right things so far. I concur with that. Which yep. is surprising. I tell you what, you know, him being on that defense for the Dallas Cowboys, Dan Quinn's got to be pretty happy. So him staying there was kind of maybe like, that's yeah, part of the reason why bit. Quinn went back. In addition to the Benjamins, <laughs> you yes. never know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure Parsons is ecstatic that Quinn is staying. Yes, yeah. Jeff, I would agree. With I you. agree with that. Two humans that get along very well. They do. Uh, to 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 wrap up the show, we're going to our one non-human caller to wrap up the week, and that Uh-oh. is Charlie in Portland. We Maine. all knew who that was. Charlie from the third mune of Saturn will join us uh, just outside the rings. Charlie, what's going on? Good. By the way, it sounds like you have a really good connection going that far across space today, Charlie. Congratulations. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, I'm calling from planet uh, Zion, so <laughs> it's, uh, hopefully the connection stays well. Hey, look, I just want to congratulate all the ex-Giants players who are in the Super Bowl. Adele, Mr. Beckham for sure, Eli Apple, Michael Thomas, which I didn't even know was on the Bengals, B.J. Hill, and uh, Dante Dion. Eli Apple. No. no. Yeah, I already yeah, said Dion's Eli Apple. On the Rams. Dante Dion yeah. is on the Rams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think those are the five. I think I don't know if there's anybody else. I might there's have a bunch of practice squad practice guys, squad. too. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway... Congratulations to them. Yes. And Lance, you hit it on the head. E- Jones cannot stay healthy. We have to get a quarterback. Whether it's, you know, 1A or 1B, you know, whether we draft one or not, I don't think we'll draft one, but we got to get a good backup quarterback or somebody who can compete with Jones. Because, like you said, we don't even know, especially with his structural uh, neck damage that he has. Who knows if this guy can even play? We don't really know yet. So they've got to get themselves a quarterback. Thank you, Dr. And Charlie. Only... We appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, come on, you know man. Where I think, you're I you're making diagnosis here over the telephone. Don't use the word structural. You could say that he's got he's coming off a neck no, injury. No, the Giants that's said. Fair. No, that's what the, the Giants no, did Paul, say structural. If it you is. read the Giants, the Giants said he has Structural neck damage. That's How many months ago statement. was that? Well, I don't care. That's what they people said. do. Heal, you know. Yeah, that's all I'm repeating is what Guys, they said. Guys, let, let's not re- let's not rehash uh, the argument I had with Charlie three weeks ago, please. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I just, just rub some Attica on it. It heals everything. That's the line of the day. <laughs> hey, it wouldn't hurt. Hey, See? I got exactly. two players. I got I got two players from the University of Maine. One is Andre Miller. And he's a wide receiver. Good he's point guard for the Denver Nuggets. I was going to say this. <laughs> 225 pounds. He has size, yeah, speed, <laughs> catching, catching ability, and he's got a great worth ethic. And you guys were talking about cornerbacks. They have a cornerback. His name is Catley Joseph. He's 5'11", 195. He, uh, he's very versatile. He can play any uh, D-back position. I'm just saying, these two guys, watch them. They might be undrafted free agents. Charlie, how many whatever, Black Bears games have you watched this season? How many? How I've many? watched about three or four of them. Yeah. In person or on them. television? No, I'm not in person. I'm not going up to Orono. Okay. Well, no. I, <laughs> listen, I don't know television. what the setup is. I don't know where you hide in the middle of Maine. So, there's you know. Any, Charlie, are you still pushing Kyle Murphy? Where Charlie lives, so, okay. Are you still pushing <laughs> Kyle Murphy? I don't want to know where he lives. <laughs> He's been here a couple years now. He was one of your other main um, guys. Yeah, I know. He's a fullback for the uh, – who does he play for there? 
No, Murphy. Murphy, the offensive lineman with the Giants. Are you still pushing him? Oh, yeah, I'm still pushing oh, him. Now, oh, now you, you kind of forgot about him a moment ago. Now you now you know who yeah. he was. Yeah, but how, but he's from Rhode Island. But, you know, the, the fullback for, I think he's right. for the oh, right. Baltimore right. Ravens. My bad. He, he, he is, uh, he's from the University of Maine, the guy who's a great fullback. He weighs, I don't know, 300 pounds. Uh, but anyway, I forget his name. But anyway, there's a few uh, Black Bear uh, players uh, in the NFL. But all I'm saying, I'm just putting those guys out there. Hey, and there's one thing i got to say, and this is just about the whole Flores thing. Whoever texts Belichick should be fired. Why is, we, why is anyone telling that guy any information at all? It's ridiculous. So if they find out who it was, I hope they fire that person. Okay, guys, have a great weekend. And in regards to that, the Giants did put out a further statement on Thursday night, you can go check it out. The Giants Twitter page is on Giants.com. It's rather lengthy and detailed, and I think the Giants um, put some good information out there. So we'll we'll just let that statement sit there, and we will wrap up our show. Guys, this is the last show we're going to have Andrea. She's heading off to Bigger and Better Things. Oh, as the Giants internship you, Andrea, for the season for all your is closing. Yeah, thank you for all your help. She's been wonderful for so us. So we say yeah. thank you for your yeoman's Best work luck, this course. year. And now we're stuck with Pearson again. Ugh. That's okay. <laughs> <sighs> We'll deal with it. We'll Pearson right. saying the same thing about us. Yeah, oh, so I guarantee it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Great stuff. Enjoy your weekend. Senior Bowls tomorrow afternoon. And we'll see you on Monday for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live at noon right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app.